On today's episode, Kelly and I are going to talk to Ali Khan Bajani about the rocket sign and Luke Umba Mute, and then we're going to talk about Mike D'Antoni's press conference. If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream. The MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row. That's a rhythm. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel, and with me as always is my man on the ground, Kelly Eco. Beat writer for the Athletic, covering the Houston Rockets. Kelly, how you doing? Yeah, what's going on? The Prince is back. Prince Bike. Oh boy, I did not know that was his nickname. Um, and you are referring to our guest, Ali Khan Bajani. Ali, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I don't know if he's referring to me. No, nah, I wasn't. I wasn't friends to Ali. I was a friend to Luke Mbamute. Yeah, I was pretty sure you talked about Luke. <laughs> I totally forgot Luke Mbamute was a prince. I, mean, I just assumed Prince only... Ali because of Aladdin. I just thought. Oh we were man, there. I forgot about that too. Ooh. I thought that's where we were going, guys. Of I would never call Ali a prince. <laughs> <laughs> but you want us to call you one of your fifty-seven nicknames, okay, Kelly? Uh, hey, don't hate the player. Well, let's let's jump right into it. The Rockets are going to sign Luke Umbamute for the restart. Uh, this is on the heels of Tabo Cephalosha deciding to opt out. Uh, he's the first Rocket player that we know of so far who's choosing to opt out of the uh, Orlando restart. And, you know, the Rockets reacted pretty quickly in, in bringing in, uh, bringing back, as Kelly called him, Prince Luke. Uh, Ali, what are your what were your first thoughts when you saw that? For me, it's all going to be about, is he back uh, physically ready and able to play? Um, we saw what he can do with this team. In that 2017-2018 season, he, he was a key cog. Coach D'Antoni always liked to have uh, two of the three between uh, Luke Bamute, Trevor Reza, and P.J. Tucker on the floor at all times. Now, if Lucan, if he's healthy and he's able to play at that level, the Rockets will be able to have a guy like P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, and Luke Bamute on the floor, two of three of those at all times. So that's the optimistic view of this. Um, but it's all going to come down to, number one, is his shoulder – healthy and he's coming off a recent knee injury as well uh, which has sidelined him previously so if his knee is back that's for me is the biggest concern if he can play to that level he's going to be a great asset for them especially defensively kelly what, yeah what, go I, I, I think this is along the lines of you know the rockets kind of understood where Thabo was coming from i talked to him a couple times during the break and he's someone who's extremely family oriented he cares a lot about his loved ones and this thing was always a risk, as he told me, you know, on the, on the pod a few weeks ago. So after that decision came out, you know, they always had a short list of guys that were on, you know, available to be included on the roster. And one of those guys was Luke. You know, he, he came for a workout in March, I believe. But that was more of kind of seeing where he was physically after not playing for nearly two seasons because of the shoulder and, and the knee. I think the knee was the bigger issue than the shoulder just because – um it required surgery, and he didn't have surgery on, on the shoulder. So, yeah, I mean, who knows how he is right now, but it's certainly something to, uh, of interest to watch because if he can even be a fraction of the player he was in 2017-18, that's something that the Rockets could use um, in Orlando. But that that's, that's the thing there, and that's what scares me about him. That was the last time he played heavy minutes in an NBA season. 
Right. You know, he next season he signed with the Clippers, only played four games. So basically the last time he played basketball was October 23rd, 2018. Yo, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, a long, long time. time. That's about 18 uh, months or so. Or, or yeah. by the time they start playing, it might be, it might be even longer. Uh, that's that. I mean, the, the positive side of it is, you know, he knows the system. He understands yeah, Mike D'Antoni. Everybody's familiar right. with him for the most part. The scary side to me is like, this is the guy with D'Antoni wanting to expand the rotation to nine players is a guy I kind of expect to play, except he hasn't played in, I mean, here's where my math is going to be terrible, but like what, 18, 20 months? Like that's, that's a scary yeah. proposition. Um, I think if you look at what they want to do, which is switching everything, you know, Luke is someone who on paper assuming he's healthy would be an extremely important uh, piece of that puzzle because his length alone is, is he's able to, to match up with fours and fives, but I, I just don't know where he is health wise. Like it's, it's hard to gauge that having not talked to him, but um, I think, I think Ali knows more about the, his stats as a screener and, and his actual impact with Harden on the floor. But Ali, what do you see from that from that perspective? You know, defensively, Kelly, you're right. It's a lot has to do with the switching. Um, in isolation, if we go back to that season, he, in in the almost 10 percent of his defensive possessions were on isolation because they switched everything, and he was amongst the league best. He was a 99th percentile according to Synergy when it comes to isolation defensively. So you know what he can give you defensively is if his knee is healthy. That's the key. Offensively, what was really interesting was. And, and, you, and it's going to go into it later with Coach D'Antoni's comments, but, you know, he wants to play faster. And one thing that Luke Bamamute actually excelled at was, you know, pacing himself in transition and getting to open spots of the floor. I think that was a great asset he provided off the bench when he played alongside Chris Paul. And a lot of his points came in transition or off of cuts, um, even as an initial screener trying to get that mismatch. So those are tangible assets that when you're playing with James Harden, especially when he wants that mismatch early in the shot clock to be able to exploit, you need somebody who can do that for you. And without a guy like Clint, you're going to rely more on PJ Tucker. But if you have a guy like Luke, who's able to come in, he knows what James wants. They have a great chemistry going. He knows when to slip. He knows when to actually set a hard screen. That chemistry is there. That's going to be a great asset for them. Yeah. I, I, th- I think um, another thing where he could be, you know, a positive is, Look, this is not 27-18 where the Rockets won 65 games and it seemed like the defense was a plug and play. They had so much, they had so much depth and guys were able to come in and, cr- and contribute. Now, you know, having gone to small ball full time, even though you do have Covington, Tucker, House, uh Jeff Green if you want to add, you still need someone else to kind of take some of those minutes that double double would have taken. But I don't I don't understand if he's going to come in as a 10th man. I don't know what where does he fit into this rotation right now, assuming he's anywhere close to where he was before? Well, Mo, Mo and Kelly, like you, you guys know that he wants – Coach D'Antoni wants to go smaller. And it's not just in terms of the length, but in terms of having more ball handlers on the court. We've right. seen that. We've seen lineups this season where it's four ball handlers and P.J. Tucker on the floor. And, and that's something that, that to me is of interest. Is he going to play a guy like Ben McLemore more minutes than he would somebody else off the bench like Damari Carroll? Or Jeff Green? Is he going to play more of those ball handlers who can ex- attack off a closeout and score? Um, at the same time, be able to switch defensively and kind of hopefully hold their own um, at the point of attack. 
That's going to be the biggest question for me because I do think they need to play Jeff Green. I do think they need to play Damari Carroll. If Luba Mute is healthy, I do think they need to play him. But where is that divide or that break um, in between having too many ball handlers and having too, having too many wings? But, you know, that's not like, you know, that's going to be something they're just going to have to figure out. I think he's going to spell Tucker. He's going to play small ball five and things like that. My biggest concern too, though, is, Look, he's not enough of a shooting threat that I'm I'm going to be worried about leaving him, mm-hmm. you know, in those things. And and we saw like that was the big reason with the Capella trade, right? Was to open up the floor for Russ and James and allow these guys to go. You're adding another guy onto the court who, if I'm the other team, listen, man, in the playoffs, I'm willing to bet he's not going to beat us four out of seven games. You know, and and we'll we'll live with it, and and we'll, we'll we'll deal with it. And if he does, good on him. But the dude hasn't, and I'm I'm gonna keep harping on it because it's I don't think people understand, especially when you're older and in your 30s, taking a year and a half off of playing NBA level basketball to jump right in, and then jump right in under these special circumstances. That's not easy. Like that's really difficult. And you know, I'm willing to bet he ain't going to be ready for that stuff. And it has nothing to do with him. Just he hasn't played. I'm I'm just willing to bet he's not ready for that level of intensity. And that's something that if they're going to need him, but if they're going to be counting on him, which it might be two different yeah. things in my, yeah. in my opinion, then they're in trouble. Needing what? him is, Hey, we need him to eat minutes. Counting on him is, Hey, we need him to hit shots and play big. That's different. I want, I want to hit on something. Um, you guys can probably help me with this, but it seems to me, if you're looking at Luke as a small ball five and you're also looking at Jeff Green as a small ball five, as a coach, how do you decide the kind of look you're wanting? Because Jeff Green is obviously the more athletic. He's probably a better shooter than Luke, but Luke is a better defender. So how do you draw that line when you come to the rotation of eighth man, ninth man, tenth man? How do you figure out? the kind of look you want to go with, is it kind of game by game or is it something that's set in stone where this is the eighth man, this is the ninth man, this is the tenth man? The the hard thing, Kelly, is it's you probably want to be able to go game by game, but players like to know their rotation, their roles, right. when they're going to play, when they're going into games and, and things like that. And and going game by game makes it difficult. It's uh, I'm going to throw a football analogy here and uh, you guys can all yell at me if I'm wrong, but it's like when you have the two quarterback system in college, right? You're going to play this series and then this guy's going to play the next series. And right. you're kind of doing that and it doesn't allow you necessarily to get in a rhythm. And, you know, that's something that, that really matters. And, you know, Coach D'Antoni even talked about rhythm in his press conference uh, that we should get to, uh, you know, about how some players are rhythm players and things like that. And and if you're going to do it by feel, it's going to be difficult. I think ultimately I think Jeff Green will play a lot of minutes. If I had to guess, he'll, he'll, he'll start and, and he'll keep going. And then, you know, Luke will, will, will roll in and out of the lineup, but I don't think he'll eat a ton of Jeff's minutes. And it's not that I thought Jeff was going to get a ton of minutes to begin with, but I just don't think it's going to be, uh, uh, that, that heavy. I know. I, I agree with Mo. And, and I think it's going to be more of a rotation between Daniel house, Robert Covington and PJ Tucker. Um, and with one of Jeff green or Damari Carroll coming off the bench, you just shouldn't be able to expect 
them to be able to use all six of their wings right now off the bench in a rotation. It's going to be mainly those three, four guys. I don't see Coach D'Antoni kind of going past an eight or nine man rotation. Kelly, you were on the Zoom call with Coach D'Antoni. What were some of the things there that, that caught your eye that he said? I have a conspiracy theory about that Zoom call. Oh, um, boy. Gosh. Here we go. <laughs> see, look. I'm, I'm, I'll preface it with this. If it's 5G related, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I, well, on the call, Ollie was on there too. But for me, look, I think Mike D'Antoni is going to use this bubble as a showcase for whoever is trying to sign him, whoever wants. Because if you look at the words he says, he does a great job of using coded language. Every mm-hmm. two or three months, he'll drop something in a press conference that you might miss but he's trying to tell you something. And what he told me yesterday was he wants to bring more of the old Mike D'Antoni back. He wants to bring some more ball movement. He wants to play faster. He wants less isolation basketball. That's kind of what the NBA knows Mike D'Antoni for, the ball movement, the, the fast action, the quick hitting the quick hitting schemes. And I think we'll see some of that in Orlando. But I just don't understand. It's going to be Car because he's he did say he hasn't been at home trying to come up with this whole new scheme to throw out the old one and try something new, but he wants to bring in tweaks. And I think something like that could help the Rockets a great deal in Orlando. For for me, and I agree with Kelly, because that's one thing I asked him about towards the end of his Zoom call was, what are some of those things you noticed when you were watching film for those three months? Because whenever he's done uh, these interviews in the last few months, he's talked about, well, I'm just sitting back watching film. And, and some of the things he pointed out was, how he needs, they need to be able to play faster. Um, they need to be able to have more rhythm. They need to be able to drive and kick and do all these different things. And he's going to try to add in more half-court sets that when an initial push or initial play gets broken down, they can go to a fail-safe. And I think that's really important, especially for that bench unit. Because for them, it's Russ and multiple players who can run in the break, but there's really not that much of a half-court offense besides Russ posting up and them kind of running some of those through actions that Coach D'Antoni is known for. Um, and, and, and so for me, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see what he means by that. Is that more spread pick and roll? Is that more just more different types of half-court actions? What is he going <clears> to <throat> do to make the job easier for Russ in that second unit especially? Because that's a, that's a big, big thing for me. That was a strength for them in the 2018 playoffs. That was not a strength for them last season. They often lost their leads uh, when James Harden sat. They need to make sure that that second unit, this playoffs or these eight games can be a strength for them as they enter in because that depth needs to be there. Yeah, the the thing that kind of scares me about that stuff is that's hard to implement when you've been playing this certain style for basically three years. You know, it's it's been a heavy isolation team. It's been a heavy iso ball team. And, you know, we've always known that Coach D'Antoni has this stuff in the bag. And, Kelly, I, I like your conspiracy theory. I don't think it's really a conspiracy theory. I think it's pretty blatant to everybody that uh, D'Antoni's kind of <laughs> campaigning for his next job. Uh, I don't think he's done coaching. I don't think he wants to be done coaching. So uh, um, you're, you're calling a conspiracy theory. I'm just calling a, it was pretty obvious to everybody. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but to, but to go back to, you know, starting to try to add plays and starting to add movement now and things like that, I'm going to be very interested to see how, you know, guys like James Harden takes to it. You know, this is a guy who – best isolation basketball player in the league right now. And right. I think it's 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 interesting, like, okay, we're going to incorporate these things. This is stuff I've been calling for for years. I know D'Antoni has great stuff in his bag, but I'm not sure if, you know, you're going to you, you're gonna get the buy-in necessarily from Harden that you need. And it's hard to 
put this all together and compress this in a tight, uh, you know, what are they going to have, like a two-week training camp and go right into games? You know, it's it's tough in this sort of pressure cooker environment. So I'll be very interested to see how they do it and, and, and what they work out. I mean, hopefully if they get the buy-in, it could be really good for the team because I've been saying it for a long time. Getting James to move and getting him going off ball could really help this team a bunch. I just, I'm, I'm going to be skeptical about it. No, I, I agree. I agree, Mo. And I think for me, what I would use as a case study in terms of what we can expect is that 2016, 2017 season, James Harden's first year under D'Antoni, especially early on when we were seeing the, I mean, they, they went off to a great start of that season. Um, but when they were first starting off with Eric Gordon and James Harden as the backcourt, Patrick Beverly, they had transitioned for them to be able to kind of exploit like what's going on offensively for them. They ran a lot more 21 series. They, they ran a lot of drag screens. When James was moving along the perimeter, and I don't think it has to necessarily be James coming off the screens, but just sim- more simple perimeter movements where you're getting the, the, the defense on the weak side to second guess or be able to move with the shooter, that's important because that occupies their attention. And the guy who has the ball has more of a driving opportunity or more space inside the paint attack. I think it's two things. I think, and I wrote this this morning, but I would draw the comparison to the Lake Charles training camp. And I say that because, not because of the way that the season started, because that season started out terribly for them, but the Lake Charles was a very important in getting things on the table and incorporating different things. There was Carmelo factor. There was a factor of the rotation. There was a factor of the switching scheme. I think now this new training camp is going to be very important to, to if you want to bring in some new things like that, because like you, like you guys said, it doesn't have to be drastic. You know, simple things like this that can get the ball moving a little bit more quicker, uh, get the defense to react more, because I think that Clippers game in March, it kind of showed the dangers of small ball. If, you know, Harden just has the ball on top of the key, and the other four defenders can just watch guys in the corner knowing that the ball isn't going to move. So I think now you're going to have to add some more things here and there to kind of keep the defense honest, and I think we'll see some of that in Orlando. It will be interesting. I just think when the situations get tight, they're going to revert back to their old ways. And, you know, Ali, to go back to your point, 2016-2017 season was a long time ago. Like, they've this team has changed a lot. Yes. From that time to then in terms of, and I'm not even talking about just the players, but mm-hmm. their, their, uh, ideology in the sense of how they attack, you know, they went to much more isolation, you know, the, the, the following years after that. And I think that's kind of where I get scared with that. And, and they had a ton of success with it. It was working. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how it is. I mean, look, I know we're going to, I'm going to get killed here a little bit for being skeptical, but it's, I, I I am just very interested to see how well these guys jump on board of that and then in close games to see what they go to. Are they going to stick with it or are they going to completely abandon it and go back to, you know, what right. they know, which is human nature. It's it's, it's yeah, I th- normal. Yeah. I, I, I think one thing they've been kind of hiding or not really showing too much is that one-two pick and roll. They had that a lot with James Harden and Chris Paul. They've run, ran that a little bit, and towards these, uh, towards as we got closer to the hiatus, they were kind of running it a lot more. Um, I do think that's going to be something they go to, especially late in games. But you're absolutely right, Mo. When it comes down to it, they go to isolation for a reason. For them, it's a way to, to control the possession, control the pace, minimize turnovers, and let the players be in position where James Harden knows where they are. And, and that's something he's comfortable with. They've been doing it now for three seasons. Um, 
I think you're right in that it's it's okay to be skeptical. But, you know, let's see. Let's give D'Antoni a shot. He's saying these right things. He's been saying these things throughout the last three months. Let's see what he can do. Let's see what kind of changes he's going to be. I got, I got two things for Ali. One, how much of that is possible, you know, because he also talked about, you know, Russ and his efficiency, and he expects more uh, coming back. How much of that one-two pick and roll and ball movement is possible if Russ has been so good, you know, just going right at the rim? And and, and number two, uh, going back to their old habits at the end of games, y- you and I know this you know, pretty well. Harden will, will ask for the ball. He'll, he'll call for a switch on, t- on the top of the key. How much of that is going to be possible uh, if Coach D'Antoni wants to bring in different kinds of ball movements and, and different tweaks? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the difference between a normal pick and roll for James with any other player and with Russ is that with Russ, if you trap James, which a lot of teams are doing, you trust Russ to be a good decision maker. Versus if you have Ben McLemore or Daniel Howe setting a screen for James Harden and popping back out to the perimeter, as most said earlier, teams are going to let that happen. They're going to want they're, they, they're going to bet on the fact that those guys are not going to win uh, the Rockets four out of seven games. And, and that's the biggest thing. Teams are trapping James. And when teams trap James, you want a capable ball handler there, which is a big reason why they go into isolation immediately in the first place. If the initial transition opportunity doesn't work out, they go straight into, trans- they straight, they go straight into isolation. No screen means no pick and roll defense, no trapping. James knows where everybody is. He can use his ability on one-on-ones to kind of find his teammates. But like Kelly, you also mentioned that game against the Clippers when they started that big losing streak, it's because the Clippers found a way to kind of shut everything down, pack the paint, play kind of like a mini box in one. And if, if James passes to a shooter, close out and take away the shot. And, and so I, I think those strategies are there. And so that's why it's important for Coach D'Antoni to implement these tweaks to make sure that the, the defense can just isolate on one specific thing. Perfect. Guys, I think that's uh... – a good place to leave it for now as we get ready for games. Ali Khan, thank you so much for sh- joining us today. Uh, where where can people find? I know you got a YouTube page going up. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you guys for having me on. Um, I, I just started a brand new YouTube channel called Rockets Film Room. Uh, going to be doing different types of videos there. And um, I hope you're able to kind of just give me a subscribe on YouTube at Rockets Film Room. Perfect. And Kelly, you got uh, anything dropping here soon? Yeah, I got something, a uh, film study on Harden's mid-range, um, just the evolution of of how he's used it less and less frequently. And so, I like, nothing about Terry. the past three years then, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I talked to Jason Terry recently, too, so um, something on that, too. Well, you can't check that out if you're not a subscriber at The Athletic, so I highly recommend you do it. If you're not, you're in luck. Go to theathletic.com slash Google for a 30-day free trial. For Ali Khan Bajani, for Kelly Eco, for our man Mike Zimmerman on the ones and two, and for me, Mo DeKeel, we out. Yeah.